Welcome to Skip Hop, the Kirkwood Parents' Teachers Podcast, hosted by the Kirkwood School District Parent Educators. We are a group of trained and certified parent educators offering support on a variety of parenting topics focusing on early childhood. The topics we discuss are based on submissions from parents in our community. We are not therapists and our input is not a substitute for recommendations or advice from a medical or mental health professional. You can find a recording of our podcast on Spotify as well as following the links on our website. Resources on the topics discussed will be available as well. We would like to acknowledge we are meeting on the traditional lands of the Osage and Kickapoo people and pay our respects to elders both past and present. We are grateful for this opportunity to honor their memories by strengthening our community through education and resources. Thanks for tuning in. We're back with another episode. I am Penny Chastain, and I am the program coordinator for the Kirkwood Parents' Teachers Program. I'm here with parent educators Laura, Melissa, Lisa, Allison, Holly, Tara, and Eileen. Today we are tackling the topic of kids and mealtimes, otherwise known as mealtime madness. As parents, we often have an idea in our head about what meals as a family might look like, often involving nutritious food, each member of the family sharing about their day while gobbling up the food they just can't quit gushing over. Then reality sets in, and family schedules are all over the place, no one's home to sit down together, and when you are, your kiddo gets up and down and chaos ensues. What can we do to rein in the madness? Let's talk about it. Above all, before we begin strategizing about what might be causing frequent disruptions and how to move forward, the first thing we have to do is manage our expectations. Sometimes that means adjusting to what we have imagined our family meals would or should look like, and sometimes that means adjusting our expectation developmentally to the age of the child. But let's back up a second. Even before we check our expectations, let's begin at setting the tone at mealtime by creating a safe, trusting, and calm environment. What steps can we take as parents to set the stage before we set the table? Well, I think a good place to start is as parents deciding what are the goals for this um, experience. Is it to be together as a family, as a nightly ritual where everybody's sitting around the table? Or is this for to make sure that you know the children are getting um, a full meal, um, depending on what, what your objective is, it might be better to um, feed the kids before. So another really important piece of this, I think, is taking stock and kind of looking at what your um, family life was like before, you know, as a child. How, how were you raised? And what were the expectations placed on you as a child for dinner time, if dinner is the one we're talking about? And then kind of think about how you either want to, you know, replicate that experience because you thought it was a really good experience and and you want to bring that to bear on your own family or where you, you know, you do have a Sunday family dinner where everyone sits around and gets, you know, and talks to each other and um, and spends quality family time or where you felt as though that was always asking too much and you really wanted to be on the go where your family is on the go and so therefore we shouldn't have that kind of a rigid schedule. You need to think about that, what your experiences were, and then also you need to talk to your um, significant other and 
the person that you're raising this child with and because they may have a completely different experience and completely different expectations for what they'd like to see for family mealtime. And then you need to find that common ground and decide how you're going to go forward with your own children. Because if you're both on opposite ends of the spectrum as to what you what you envision for your children at mealtime, that's going to cause all kinds of confusion for the child and conflict between you and your and your significant other. I know that I've offered this um, strategy for a couple of families. They actually have these really cute plates that are about a tablespoon per, um, I guess, portion for the child. And it's a little game that if you get to the end, you know, whatever your family uses as their, you know, positive reinforcement or whatever it's just kind of an end of like yeah you made it i know that there's the clean plate club and everything but um generally what is it like one tablespoon per age years how old they are is what they say yeah i think it can be overwhelming Mm -hmm. to to um to a child to have way too much on their plate Mm -hmm. that creates anxiety right away especially if you're introducing a new food and don't worry if Family mealtime isn't dinner. In fact, um, you know, sometimes there are a lot of expectations around what dinner should look like. Maybe breakfast would be lower stress, and that might be more convenient for your family if everyone might be at home and and well-rested. Maybe, um, you know, focusing on a mealtime other than dinner might be another good option. In terms of routine, how might we create a successful routine with our kids and our whole family that sets us up for mealtime success? I think that we have to be careful that we limit snacking throughout the day. Obviously, our kiddos have little bellies and they're going to be hungry more often than we as adults are. Um, But just being careful about how often we're allowing them to snack. Um, Another sneaky... um, thing that could make our kids less hungry at mealtimes is milk. Um, my children were all big milk drinkers, but and milk is good for us and it's an important part of our diet, um, but you have to be careful that those calories aren't replacing um, the food and nutrition we take in at mealtime. Um, referring to snacking too, that you can set boundaries around where the snacking is taking place. So that's just practicing for mealtime. So maybe a little table or a special spot that they need to sit in rather than walking around with Cheerios. Um, That can sometimes help um, that whole practicing and and prep for mealtime success. It's also okay to Um, pick something special or fun or some sort of ritual or routine that you do at mealtime with your family. Um, I know my family, every night at dinner, we say what our favorite part of the day was. And um, my kids are teenagers now, and they've been doing it since they were little. And even my youngest, if we, for whatever reason, didn't get to sit and have dinner together because we've all been, you know, at sports and different things, at bedtime he'll say, oh, my goodness, I didn't tell you my favorite part of the day. So it's become something that's important to my kids and something that they look forward to talking about. Um, And sometimes even when they will come home from school now, they'll say, well, I'm not going to tell you about that. I'm saving it for my favorite part of the day at dinner. So just create something, and it doesn't have to be that. It can... With toddlers, it can be, you know, show me your silliest face tonight or whatever you want it to be, just something fun um, that they can be waiting for and expecting and looking forward to. Yeah, mealtime seems like a great time to 
um, connect with your kiddo on their level and um, engage in communicating with them on their level. What did you What did you do at school today? What did you do at home with mom? You know, um, just some really easy questions to get them engaged and to, you know, have reasonable expectations. They might not have lengthy conversations with you and it might be a one word answer, but you're setting the stage for that. Um, you're setting that routine up for them. Okay. So we have our environment set up for the kids. We know that, um, everything's ready for them to be able to attend to eating. We are setting our routine up for success. Now, how long could we expect kids to be actually sitting at the table? Um, I think a lot of parents will be shocked to hear how low that time frame actually is. You know, sometimes it can be as low as two minutes. And so we also have to look at the environment that we're setting our kids up for too, and maybe come up with you know, if you want your child to sit for a lengthy period of time, just like with anything, just like with school or, um, you know, something, these expectations that schools have, you know, they will provide the opportunity to get those wiggles out. And so um, maybe doing some sort of pre-dinner dance and then sitting down and having, you know, lower expectations than you might think. I think a lot of pre meal setup too you're going to be practicing these skills a lot when it's not meal time just like um, any topic that we're we're dealing with we need to do a lot of um, pre-learning when when it's not going on that space in between one area we often forget about when we're trying to deal with um, mealtime behaviors and in the sense of getting up and down is just seating position. Kids really need to be in a chair that fits. Um, so if that means a booster, then that's what that needs to be. Um, their, their feet need to be supported. So sitting um, in a bar stool night after night, if it's dinner time with their feet dangling is likely not going to yield the results that, that you want. And finally, don't underestimate the power of positive reinforcement. If you see them sitting in their chair, even if it's for three seconds, make sure you notice and call them out on it. One really common mealtime interrupter for kids is throwing food. What kind of strategies can we give parents that might help with um, curbing that behavior at mealtime? When they get to the point and they're either feeding the dog or just um, totally um, curious about gravity over and over again, it could signal that they are done eating and they're ready to get up. Um, uh, one strategy that I have suggested to families is to introduce a no thank you bowl. So if they feel the need to start moving their food, they can move it into the no thank you bowl that's placed in front. So it's a matter of just um, that they want to touch and interact, but at least they're not um, making the dog fatter and um, making a mess on the floor and um, gives them something to do. I just did this last night with Jake, with my five-year-old. A no and thank you bowl? Yeah, a little oh. no thank you bowl. And then lo and behold, my 10-year-old says, oh, I'll have some more of that. And so you're not wasting food. 
Sometimes it can be as simple as saying something like, oh, it looks like you must be all done eating and take the food away from them. And then if they protest and no, I'm still hungry or however they, you know, you can figure out that they're still hungry and then say, well, then you have to keep your food on your plate or wherever you want it to be. Um, and then if they throw it again, oh, you just showed me that you're done because you yeah. threw your food again and take it away. And I think a lot of that starts with not overwhelming the plate from the get-go, you know, adding little small amounts. And then that also provides the opportunity for communication, especially for those young kiddos. If you're doing baby sign language, would you like more? Um, and that communication piece. And then, yes, if they want more, then they will ask for more. But if, if you overwhelm that plate, that can create anxiety right off the bat. Um, and I, I think going back to what we discussed at the beginning of, um, of this discussion and thinking about, you know, sort of as the parents taking stock again of how what mealtime means to you, we still have that generation that are parents these days that have either heard about or have been part of like the clean plate club where you were expected to finish everything on your plate you were maybe even guilted into not in, into whatever you know whatever you left on your plate there are starving children in whatever country happens to be starving at the time who could really appreciate eating that food and how you know it's not good of you to leave it like that and really that's not the way to go about food because that can cause eating disorders and things for children down the line so you just want to let your children eat sort of independently let them determine when they're full and then calmly move on from there um and my family has a no screen policy at dinner. Um, and so my husband and I have to model that for ourselves. We're not even allowed to have our phones sitting on the table because it can become a distraction. Um, and so we started that when our kids were young, just um, getting rid of all those distractions so that we can be together as a family because that was important to us. Now, that's not to say when they were really little, if we went to a restaurant and the expectation was going to be that we needed them to sit for a longer period of time, that we didn't pull out some of those things and maybe make that a special occasion when they could have a screen instead. Um, but we set up those ex expectations for what we wanted in our home um, versus special occasions. One other thing about screens, um, research is showing that when kids are looking at screens during a meal, they're not um, queuing into their food intake and reading their body cues of whether they are, um, they're full. And so it becomes, eating becomes a very passive activity when they're watching a show. And I just add that applies to adults as well. So yeah, adults can overeat. Yeah. <laughs> At one time or another, for sure. So I think we all have this idea that we want our meal times to be wonderful bonding times for our family, and it doesn't always turn out that way. So we've talked a lot about um, setting our expectations, but just also remembering um, not to put a lot of pressure on our kids when it comes to trying new foods, right? It takes what, a dozen or 15 times of trying something sometimes before a child might realize that they like that. So um, just to keep ourselves in check as parents, not to be anxious or not to be putting a lot of pressure on our kiddos, forcing them to try something new, but always offering the opportunities to try something new. I don't know how many families I've talked to that will say something like, 
My child will eat anything put in front of them at preschool, but at home they won't eat anything that we put on their plate. Um, and a big difference is at preschool, there's just no pressure on the kids. They get handed a plate of food, depending on the preschool, and they eat it because that's what everybody around them is doing. And they don't have someone standing over their shoulder saying, you need to eat those carrots. Make sure you taste the broccoli. Um, it's just a given that you eat your lunch during lunchtime. So if we can keep that in mind as parents when it comes to meals at our house um, and just not put so much pressure on our kids, we might find that they'll eat more and try new things. And one other thing I'd add about sort of zeroing in on, on our children and how they're um, behaving around mealtime is also taking a look at the placement of where they are in relation to the rest of the family because there can be times where the, the child is separated from the, the parents. The parents are sitting um, on adult-sized chairs at the adult-sized table and maybe there's either a child-sized table kind of off a little bit ways away that the child eats at. Maybe they've transitioned from being a baby to eating at that, or they're in the high chair, but the high chair might be around the corner kind of from where the parents are. A lot of times some, some of the behavior that you can see that can be disruptive during mealtime can be because the child feels as though they're being separated from the, from the family dynamic. So just trying to even just swing that, if you have the space, swing that high chair around to be close in to the table or having them sit on a toddler type seat, booster seat at the table with you um, is a big help too for, for behavioral things that you might associate with being picky eating or something. Right. With most things in parenting, try to see the positive in things. So if your child is, you know, up and down, instead of focusing on stay seated, stop wiggling, just saying, oh, your body is kind of showing me it's time to get up and move. And like I said before, like do a little dinner dance and then try again. And then just trying to make that experience a positive one for your family. We discussed a lot of strategies today, and we hope that you will be able to put some into practice with your own family, making mealtime a little less stressful and hectic. As with a lot of situations in parenting, it often helps to reframe thinking to help approach a challenge through a different lens. This is just yet another space your child is learning and needs practice. They are not purposely throwing food to make you angry. Their brain just absolutely loves cause and effect and is drawn to testing limits and boundaries as they try to figure out their world. And when it comes down to it, mealtime isn't about the food. Fulfilling a person's nutritional needs can be done anywhere. Across cultures and generations, mealtime is a time for connection, sometimes with family, sometimes with friends, and sometimes both. These challenges, although super frustrating, are temporary. Have some fun and be spontaneous. Have a picnic or a backwards dinner starting with dessert. Your child will likely not remember if you presented Brussels sprouts or pancakes for dinner, but they will remember the laughter, the love, and the feeling of belonging that happens around the table. Parents as Teachers is a free home visiting program offering developmental information, resources, developmental health, hearing and vision screenings, and opportunities to connect with other parents. We serve children in our community prenatally through five years of age. If you live within the boundaries served by the Kirkwood School District, have a child or children under the age of five and would like to know more about how you can participate in our program, please reach out to us. You can find contact information, resources to support the topic discussed today, and submit ideas for future topics on our website, www.kirkwoodpat.com. 